Welcome to Civil Conversations. I am Mama. I sat down with Kiara Henderson and Marty Overman, a black mom raising four boys and a white mom raising a black son. We dive deep into their relationships, their trials, their successes with their sons, about their sons, and also dealing with the outside world as they raise them as loving mothers in today's time. Please, you guys are not going to want to miss this conversation. Sit back and enjoy. All right, let's get going. So tonight is I Am Mama. So part of why I thought it was important to do this conversation was to really get an understanding of what it's like from a mother's perspective on raising boys or raising black boys in America. Um, as I was trying to figure out like who would be perfect guests for this, um, two people kind of came to mind uh, off the jump, like off the top. And one was Marty and the other one was Kiara. Uh, I actually stole the name for tonight's episode from something that Kiara's doing. And we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit. But I'm super thankful for both of these women being here, um, primarily because of their unique situations, right? Um, Kiara being a mom of four boys. Uh, th thanks, Paul. Um, and then uh, Marty uh, being uh, a, a white mom of a black boy. Um, and the, the dynamics that they both have in their lives are pretty unique, but I think it's important for us to all talk about it because there may be some similarities for those who are watching uh, that you can connect with, right? There are a lot of different uh, mothers, no matter what, right? You go back to the situation with George Floyd. I saw a lady, she was holding a sign that said, you know, um, all moms were called when he screamed out, no matter what the color was. I can't remember all the words, but that was something that stood out to me. And honestly, that that played a part in why I wanted to do this episode when I saw that, because she was very genuine. So um, thank you guys for joining. I noticed that the viewership is going up, so it's going to be dope to get started. So first, I want to start with intros. I would like to start with you, Kiara, if you don't mind, if you can do a small intro yourself, and then we'll move over to Marty. So I'm Kiara. I am wife to my husband, Paul, of, um, what, eight, nine years? I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> and we have a kid for every two years of marriage. We have PJ. Who's, Matt has an inappropriate joke that we won't talk about that. Uh, we have PJ, who is seven. Joseph, who's five, David, who's three, and Lord, and Noah, who is three months. Wow, wow, wow. All right, we're going to dig more into that in a bit. And Marty? Hi, I'm Marty Overman. I uh, am the proud parent to Graham, uh, who is nine years old. He'll be 10 in November. We have a current wager going on when he'll be taller than me. I'm not a large human. <laughs> Um, but he is definitely a large human. He's currently three and a half inches shorter than me. So we think he's going to catch up to me by November when he turns 10. <laughs> oh, wow. He's going to grow, he's gonna grow quick. Um, I'll, I'll plug a little bit here as to why I called it I Am Mama. So Kiara is involved. Actually, she started uh, a page a little while ago, a Facebook page, Hey Beloved Mama. Did I say that correct? Hey Beloved Mama. Hey Beloved Mama, um, a, a little while ago. And Something kicked off, kicked off around just after the George Floyd um, incident. Uh, if you don't mind jumping into that a little bit, Kiara. So after the George Floyd um, thing happened, I am a writer by profession. And I think a lot of us were lost for words. Like we didn't know what to say, but we had a lot of emotions. And so I was just praying. I was like, I really want to say something, but I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I sat down. I believe that God just gave me the words. Um, 
I wrote two pieces. One was like a lamenting, um, just things that we feel as mothers, like my baby, I hear this so many times from black moms, like you adore my cute son now, but when do you decide that it's time to fear him? So just going through that narrative, because we watched the slow and the public lynching of George Floyd. And I wrote a piece of that. And I said, um, I said, white mama, where are you? Like, we need you. And so um, it was a call to, it was a call for unity and a call of love to say, I know we all heard that cry. And so in the comments, I heard it was so many white moms, they stood up and said, I am mama, I am mama. And of course, black moms, we were saying, I am mama. But I got chills every time I read one of those comments. So then I wrote another piece because moms didn't know what to do. They were like, I want to help and I want to fight, but I don't even know where to start. So I wrote um, directives or affirmations about I am mama. And I just go through like, I speak, I protect, I learn, I comfort, I heal. Um, And then is it the whole thing it's somewhere on my page but it's and then it goes you know i am love i am mama and so that's how this whole thing started it's just like an affirmation when when we say i am mama it means that i am a mother to not only my children but people like just people the cry i am mama i am the answer to the cry of george floyd yeah i and and first off thank you for explaining that and when i was when i had known about this i am mama movement uh, when you started it and how it started but when i was thinking about a, a guest with you i was like marty exemplifies i am mama like she doesn't know it she didn't know you but like she did and i was like please marty so i text her i was like could you do this um and so uh, i really wanted i really wanted her to hear that new and fresh just now just so she can respond and also just Let's jump into how are you doing? And let's start with Marty, if you don't mind, just so you can respond to that and also roll to that. How are you doing? And then what are your thoughts on what, what Kiara just shared? Uh, I'm gonna start with my thoughts on Kiara because it, they're closely related. Um, thank you for starting that. I will join that immediately. <laughs> it's so funny because uh, when Matt and I initially started talking, I, I did that same Facebook post. I, it was a picture of my son when he was three. He just discovered Doritos. He's making this hilarious face. <laughs> And I said, he's cute, isn't he? He's real cute. What are you going to think 10 years from now when he's 250 pounds and six feet, three inches tall? Like, are you still going to think he's cute? Or are you going to be scared of him? Because he's still the same person. The same heart will still be there. What makes him different? And it will be his size and his color. And it was a call. And it's interesting that you said, you know, where are our white mamas? And as I've been thinking through how to do something, like, I feel we've all got to do something. And I've been telling my people at work and people I know, I'm like, just do one thing. You don't have to tackle the world. You don't have to run for president. You don't have to run for city council. You can. I will back you if you do it. But just do one thing. Read a book. Learn something. Have a conversation and actually listen. You don't have to do all the things, but do one thing. One of the things that jumped out at me, and this is why I'm so grateful you asked me to do this, Matt, was as a, a white mother of a black child who, I, I will never know what it's like to be black. I, I, I just won't. There's nothing I can do about that. Mm-hmm. But I can help my black child in the world through hearing the stories and the experiences and helping him stay connected to his culture, but also as a white mom with presumably white friends and family and community around me, I can help educate them 
yes. on here's what this world looks like. Here's what my child is experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis. So when you say what you said or do what you did, you're, I can help make a personal connection if they don't have one and maybe get them to empathize a little more about ways where they, you know, some of the blind spots they may have around some of this, you know, systemic racism you don't even realize that you're benefiting from and just slow down, stop for a minute and think, how would this affect Graham? How would I want Graham to be treated in this situation? What would I do if this were happening to Graham and really connect to that and do something? Yeah, that's, that's huge. Cause I think one of the things that's, it's, it's hard to, at least I've seen this in multiple areas. I appreciate you sharing that is that, you know, when you're black, either if you're a black guy or if you're a black woman, like, like, like myself and Kiara, we're like, all right, white man, white woman, could you do something or whatever? And I don't want to come off as, and now I'm speaking for myself, aggressive where I can be dismissed, right? And, and so when it comes from someone like you, it, it, I think it has more weight. It's just like as if I'm talking to another black guy and I'm trying to talk to him versus a white guy talking to him. It's going to probably have more weight when I'm talking to him too. So I think it's important that someone like yourself who is not just a white woman standing up for the, the, the African-American concerns and issues, but also as a mother, of an african-american um yourself it's it show it's coming from the heart like so nobody's going to question your motives it's like no this is my son you know what i mean um so that's huge so how have you been uh like lately with all of this you kind of touched some of it but how have you been marty specifically how have you been um you know i think i've been <laughs> i've certainly been a lot more alert and aware but you know i've gotten past the kind of broiling um, emotions where, I mean, for a solid two weeks, I was on the verge of tears every time I talked about George Floyd or about the state of our nation. And I just couldn't get through it without being emotional out of, you know, a legitimate fear and concern for my child. And I've now moved to a place of, of action. And, you know, so I'm feeling a lot better because I feel like there is a lot more openness and opportunity to speak and to listen. <laughs> Um, you know, through a, a forum like this with civil conversations, I'm seeing a lot more people who are willing to talk. I've noticed too, though, that I've been a lot more confrontational on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not sitting down. I'm not just going to scroll past this. I can't because that's yeah, yeah, a thought yeah. you have. And I need to, I need to take a minute to educate you. If you blow me off, that's on you, but I can't just scroll past this. So I've no, I've become a lot more, I won't say combative, but, um, Part of how I feel like I'm taking some control back and, and doing my one thing is to yeah, be yeah. more vocal. And but I'm I'm finding that it's um I, I've I've seen a lot of people who don't know how to do it respectfully and have this you know reasonable discourse and challenging opinions. That it's, it becomes a lot of name calling and a lot of yeah, a lot of pushback. Yeah. And so I've been trying to take a very um, a, a, a stance of education, you know, if I can provide sources and, you know, cite my sources and, you know, it's not just my opinion, but this is, you know, real data that backs this up and respectful and no name calling. I've actually been getting through to some people, I think. Wow. Uh, which is refreshing. And again, kind of using Graham as that, like, hey, you know him, you know him. So like, let's connect to this and think about the other people, you know, and we can connect to. And it's, it's given me a, a sense of hope Mm -hmm. um and where you know the first couple weeks it was just really like oh my god and i just wanted to you know lock the door and keep graham inside forever <laughs> so. no, I, no i and the thing is what i what i love about first off thanks for even sharing that but what i love about everything you're sharing is that i know it's genuine it's from the heart and it's from a different skin color not because 
there aren't other women like you. It just, it's just beautiful to hear it coming from you because your message probably sounds exactly like Kiara sounds, right? Just as, as, as a mother of, of black boys. And so to kind of flip that, to, not flip it over to you, Kiara, like moving over to, towards you, how have you been? And you know, if you have any response to, to, to Marty on that also too, but how have you been? I think Marty, one thing I really relate to is even with I am mama, just we're mothers. Like a lot of us, aren't able to go out there and be on the front lines of protesting but we're like i the fire is still the same mm -hmm. like we want to do something and one of the things that we just all agree with that the least we can do is fight in our homes in our hearts and in our spheres of influence like you go to the grocery store you know at your church where we're no longer uh we're no longer letting microaggressions um mm -hmm. flip by and even when you said like this thing with George Floyd, I used to before this all happened, and I think it's true for many blacks because I I see it. We used to some people would highly censor their social media accounts. Where like I don't talk about politics, race, religion, but at this because we know that it's really controversial and it could really, you know, it could it could bring about anger and. All these things. Sometimes people just want a really politically correct Facebook page. And I was that way too. But when I saw, um, I had my feelings about race, of, of like absolutely. But in order sometimes to assimilate in the culture, you can't be that combative person. But when George Floyd died and we sat there and I watched a five minute video of a, um, a cop with his knee on his neck, I said, I don't care what you think. And I didn't know that that was. At that time, I was like, I don't care. I'm posting it. I don't care what anybody has to say. I'm saying something. Mm. And it was cool because everybody felt that way. Like everybody that knew about racism and experienced racism or had some ties to it, they said, I'm not, I am no longer being silent about this. I'm saying something. And it also gave way to the people who didn't realize that this was a problem. Mm. Then they also started saying something. So for me, I guess dealing with this whole thing, it was the, I, I'm speechless, I don't know what to say. And then it's like, but I know one thing, I'm saying something. <laughs> and I think that's where we all said like, no, I like they say, I will not be silent. Like you ain't gonna, I didn't, I didn't kept quiet for far too long. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and now it's just not the time. Now, even if I experience microaggressions to racism myself, I'm clapping back every single time. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by this? Is that, you know, what do you, what are you saying? At first I used to stay in my, not place, but just go on the side of being non-confrontational. Like, like the lane, like stay in your lane kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, because oh. you got to keep your job. You got to keep mm -hmm. your, your image. You got to keep your appearance of assimilating in order to be in the culture. But now right. we have so many allies, like, I'm saying what I need to say because I know Marty has my back, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that, that a lot of us have, a lot of us black and white that have understood some of these struggles, you feel safer now speaking up because somebody, it's almost like, um, what's that thing that, is it the trust there or whatever? When you like, when you, when you I, just fall back and somebody's, the fall. Yeah, yeah, the trust fall. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and somebody's supposed to catch you. It's like, oh wow, someone's actually catching me. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's gotta be huge 
for, for, well, for all of us, but definitely for you two, especially in your scenarios, um, having sons, you know? And so like, just to kind of talk about just the, the, the struggles, just like to go into you guys' lives a little bit deeper. Um, Marty, I'm going to kind of raise you up a bit. What, what is it, what has it been like, you know, for you? Can you give us a little history when it came to Graham and you and just your world of being a white woman with a black son? Um, wow. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's been wonderful um, in so many ways. Uh, so Graham's adopted and uh, we were fortunate to get him the night he was born. So we did a domestic adoption. He was born in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, I often tell him, I am the only mom you've ever, like your birth mother gave birth to you. I was there the night you were born. I'm the only, you're, I'm the only mother you've ever been with, you know, while you've been on this earth. And, um, and explaining to him how much she loved him to give me that great gift of getting to be his mom. He's the most incredible child. He is full of spirit and life and creativity and can hold a conversation with anybody and happily does it. He knows no doubt, which is disconcerting in its own sense, but um, he's just always been so much fun and just, and just the light of my life. And it's been so interesting. So when we were first pursuing adoption, uh, we went to several different adoption agencies and there were some that specialized in African-American adoptions. They said that we have our African-American adoption program and we have our Caucasian adoption program. And they, they've had two different cost structures. Well, why is that? Well, it just it, it costs less to support a to support an African American mom than it does a white mom. I'm like that doesn't really make much sense to me. Um, started getting in more and more into the process and discovered that there was a tremendous need for um, for black babies, specifically black boys, to be adopted. Um, we worked with a consultant who would send us a list of all the waiting mothers, and so those are women who have said, "I would like to give my child up for adoption," and they're just waiting to be matched with a with an adoptive family. And it was often 15 African-American moms, one white mom. And wow. you know, just to give you a sense of the scale of the, you know, how many more um, babies there were, and we just wanted a healthy baby. And I called my family and I said, this is what we want to do. We want to adopt a, a black boy. Like that's, that's there. We, we feel called to do that. And I said, I just want to make sure you're on board with this because you're going to have to have some conversations at some point with people when right. you're out at the store with him or, you know, people are going to give you maybe some glances. We live in the South. Like this, this could get interesting. And they all were like, absolutely were in, like, we love you. We will love him. Like, yes. So just, it was, it was so weird though, to now think back and think that I had to go and make sure that I was, I knew my family would support it everything, but it was just, it's, it's kind of odd in hindsight. Anyway, so, you know, bringing Graham into the world, all we've experienced is, a tremendous amount of love and support from our community and I've often said if there's someone who like maybe thinks it's not a great idea they, they they just keep walking we've been stopped so many times I've been stopped you know hey thank you one this one um older black woman saw me outside of Whole Foods and Graham was maybe two and a half or three and he had just lint all in his hair and a bunch of craziness going on she goes you don't know what to do with him do you and I said what do you mean she goes with, with his hair <laughs> like it's a challenge. <laughs> and she said, can my daughter watch him? He was sitting out there eating ice cream or something. I said, absolutely. She goes, come with me. And she takes me inside and takes me like olive oil and coconut oil. And she's like, these are natural. Do this. Get it wet, but not too wet. Back at Whole Foods. Yes, at Whole Foods. <laughs> I got goods. 
They got you in that. Hey, they, they got you in that coconut oil. I mean, that's yes. <laughs> yeah, it is expensive, but totally worth it. Um, now we get vitamin E for his skin, all the good stuff. But it was just, I, I that's always a story that I've loved to go back to on just how yes. she saw a mother just trying to, you know, raise her child and went, "Hey, I can help you." And you so, can, you know, can I interject right there on that? <laughs> I think it's important because, like, we, I, I find that. I would say even in my younger years, you, you, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago, I think it's, it's been difficult sometimes as African-Americans, you see a white person with a black kid or a brown kid and you're like, man, like, I hope they know what they're doing, you know, but like, you're also afraid to walk over and say something like, you know, it's that, it's that catch 22 of like, I hope I know what they're doing, but then we, we, we won't like, some people, right, and I'll speak for myself, won't just jump in. Now it's different. I'm, I'm way more open with just like, yo, like if they look like they're struggling, I'm going to go ahead and say something. But I think it's great that somebody was willing to ask you that question and then and then not just make a comment to to tear you down, but actually walk you through the process to help you be better. Like basically taught you how to fish um, and broke it down for you. I think that's that's great. Sorry, sorry, Marty, go ahead. No, I just, um, well, I'm muted because my dog's like they're scratching and her collar's making noise. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, no, and I just, I was so grateful to her. And, you know, I've experienced that so many other times in the community. But going back further, I was actually really anxious about being out in the world with her. Because uh, many of the adoption consultants were like, do you know what you're doing? Like, you're adopting a black baby. And I, my ex and I were both like, yeah, and? They're like, do you have black friends? You, like you're we were living in Georgia at the time they're like you're in North Georgia like uh, you know this is this is strange what are you doing mm. and I was offended and angry and and then Matt I think I told you this story um you know when Graham was born in the hospital um when the paralegal came to get the paperwork signed so the birth mother signs a form that says like I'm placing it's called a placement paper so they sign these placement papers that says I'm intending to you know, give, give my child who I've just given birth with birth through the year. Um, she was upset because she said a lot of the, the nurses had been giving her a hard time about giving her baby to a white family. And, my, you know, our paralegal tells us that and we're livid. We're like, how dare they? Like, they're meddling in our, like, what if she changes her mind? Like, we're so upset. And I've, for years still been like they shouldn't have said anything it's none of their business and literally in the last six weeks i've been like i completely missed it mm. they were just worried about you know would we know what to do yeah would we be able to protect them and i've got this very loving friend who you know, looked at me one day where our boys do theater together and she just looked she said who's going to teach him about being black in america and I felt like I'd been punched in the stomach for a minute because I was like, I'm completely ill-equipped. Like, clearly, I can't do this. And that's maybe one of the most important things I need to teach him that he needs to learn is, you know, how to survive in this world. And because it is different, it's yeah. so different. And she said, I will help you in any way I can. And I've had so many, you know, women who I've known throughout my life who, and, and men, you know, who, Matt, you have, you've said, how can I help? You know, if, if you want me to talk to Graham, whatever I can do to help, I'm here to yeah. I'm here for him. Uh, two of the guys that work for me, they're like, hey, we're his uncles, like send him down to Atlanta for, <laughs> for the weekend. But I've really been confronted with this strong feeling of, I reacted it really, I mean, you know, if I, I, I read White Fragility, I was like, that was peak white fragility. Like I was mad that these 
nurses might mess up my plan. Mm. And I never stopped to think they just wanted to make sure that little boy, you know, grew up in this world clear on his identity and his culture and his background and that he knew how to keep himself safe. Yeah, just to be aware of what's going on. What if I'd walked up there and said, Tawana, Tawana's his birth mother's name and he knows her name. And what if I just walked up there and said, Tawana, I heard about this. And I, tell me what I can do to make you feel better about that. Like, what can we do? Like, what is their concern? If you were in their shoes, you know, what was the concern they were expressing? And, and can, you, can you coach me a little bit on some of the things I might need to know? Like, A, I might have an incredible friendship to this day. And, and B, I could have learned something from day one. But instead, I reacted with, like, this petulant pouting, yeah. <laughs> pumping my foot. Like, I think it's, it's a process. I think it's a process for everybody, right? I mean, obviously, you've but you learn from that process and and people still showed up in your life to help you even with that early attitude too bad i mean the good thing is karma didn't come after you and just remove everybody <laughs> from you right and i think that's great um appreciate you sharing that history i mean that's huge so like to switch a little bit over to kiara like you got four boys i got one um i i'm i think about one that's it for you you know having four boys what, what is what has it been like for you you know What's been going on? It's um, it's one of those things that I feel like, um, Marty, you didn't have a grace period where you were introduced to the possibility. Like, I think in Black women, we have children, and we know this. You part of, unfortunately, it's a part of our culture, where we're like this is a lifestyle where we just have you know, everybody, nobody has to teach us what to teach our kids concerning race. We know it because it was taught to us. So because nobody, you weren't in a position to be taught those things, you didn't know what you had to teach. And so like, here you are, and I, I, it's a really unique position. And like, don't beat yourself up too, too bad about that because you, love was love fueled your anger because you mm. and i may cry i may cry you were there like you look you saw why you wanted to adopt a black boy you were intentional about adopting him and you go through all of these things and you get to the end and it's almost like fear like please don't mess this up like i'm sure you loved him there like I mean, you didn't give birth to him, but you're, I would say you would be his birth mom because he was the, he's, you're the mother that he's had since birth. And so the same, the only, con the only connection that's different between my sons, me and my sons and your son being, um, your son is that I was pregnant with them, but like you were there, the, you know, like you mothered him since he was here. And so you being introduced to this whole world and he's a an in, like a newborn i came into i came into the game knowing that i knew that you know this we're going to have to have conversations and we're going to have to have more conversations down the road but that wasn't nobody confronted me with such heavy things i got to enjoy the bliss of having a child and you were confronted of like this brick wall of race and fear, like so much fear was there in that environment. And so my heart goes out to you, like it was a joyous occasion, but then the reality of it that I, I eased into 
Um, and I'm steadily easing into, it was just like, oh no, honey, you need to know this. Mm. And so, <laughs> I mean, I, I understand all of it because it has been a stigma with um, white parents adopting black kids just for the just for the for the cultural knowledge um but you're you're your baby's mother and nobody can ever take that away from you <laughs> so um so for me i'm i'm easing in and i'm still easing in with my boys um pj is seven and like graham he's a people person and i'm like he's like obama on on his school campus <laughs> I was just like, can we walk the class? Just like, <laughs> go to the grocery store. And I'm just like, we are here for milk. We are not here to say hi to any and everybody. So one thing that, um, so he goes to a Christian school that is predominantly white. Like we are working to, um, I don't even want to say diversify to, I, I don't know, you, you know, like the, we're working to make that school um, with the faculty and staff, like so many people are on um, on board to just make it represent, just represent what the world is actually like. And so um, with all of that, I sometimes, I, my, my concern is that my, my son would be the token, the token mm -hmm. um, black boy or the, the black friend that everybody has because he loves, he loves everybody. Um, there are instances where um where my husband Paul was walking PJ into school and people were saying hi to PJ but they would not acknowledge my husband so you're speaking to my son but you're not acknowledging his dad and that's a that is a major I don't even want to call it microaggression but it's so it's so many things wrong wrong with that where you can see the you know so that in and itself, like having a son that's a people person and then like, hey, he's cute now. But like, like you said, like, what about when he looks like his dad? Like, are you going to accept him if he assimilates to the culture? Is he going to be your token? Is he going to be your black, you know, your black friend because he's just so lovable? So that would be my concern with him. My second one, my second one, he is, he's browner. Um, PJ actually looks biracial to me that in and of itself just <laughs> like but my um second one he has kinkier hair and but he also has he's been dealing with a language processing delay and so if you tell it um when we're working through it and he's had trouble in school and like the, the way the teachers have treated him I had to pull him out because they treated him badly they just I told him, he may not understand what you're saying. He is not stupid. He is not dumb. But when you treat him as such, and then you tell me that there was a little white girl that Joey really took to, and you praise her like, oh, that's because she helps him and she does this for them. And then when my son doesn't know what to do because he's not understanding your instruction, like you're snatching his hand. Mm -hmm. And so he's coming home, you know, coming home distressed every day. And that's, he's a, at that time, he was four years old. And because he had, because he wasn't understanding what anybody, not, not understanding everything that everybody was saying, he was treated differently. But you're praising the white students and you're telling me everything that's wrong with my son. And then I also wonder, I know he's going to grow out of it, but like, what about the young, what about the, um, the, I guess teenage or young adult 
autism because my son was diagnosed. Um, he had an educational diagnosis of autism. I don't think that he has it because he, that's just another story. I think he was just over, I think he was overdiagnosed. Um, but what about the kids who don't understand? Like if he were to get stopped by, because when you have autism, if you get stopped by police and you have sensory things and there's lights and there's people touching you and they don't like people touching them, what happens to little black boys? And they say that um, black boys are way more likely to get autism for whatever reason than any other race. What happens when these kids grow up and get stopped by police? Like what's going to, what's going to happen? Are you going to shoot him dead just because he's freaking out because of the sensory thing? So these are things that, these are things that I have concern about. I have the, um, and you know, I have my two younger ones. Um, one is really light and one is really dark. So I'm just wondering like how their color is going to play into how they, how they grow up. But right now my biggest concern is my most, I believe my most brilliant child, Joey, like in the school system, knowing that he has so many strengths, but his strengths being labeled as a disability. Mm. So does it, uh, I mean, thank you for all of that story in regards to the, just the different things you're managing. Does that, that obviously, that additional uh, challenge, plus being black, has gotta be really heavy on you. On a, Is that like a daily basis thing pretty much? Like you're just like, oh my God, like, every time he leaves the house or he's dealing with a teacher or whatever, you don't know if he's, he, he's getting a short end of the stick. You don't know if he's getting a short end of the stick or the best, the best treatment possible because yeah. of his disability. Yeah. So there are things that I, it, like his habits were, I'm like, Oh no, because even before COVID, I was just looking at like certain things that he would do around the house. And I'm like, there's no way I can send you to school. Um, because of where we live, and I know it's like this in a lot of places in the country, you gotta you gotta either pay for private school or you gotta pay to live in the better neighborhood to get the better school. Mm -hmm. the school that we're districts for, he did not have he did not do well there, so I wouldn't want to just put him there again, even with the IEP. I'm just looking at his personal habits, and COVID or no COVID, he was gonna stay home with me this year, um, and I was gonna homeschool him just to protect him, you know, because I don't. I don't think that they would have given him the benefit of the doubt that, oh yeah, he is, he's brilliant first, but he has these challenges versus being like, oh, he's, you know, oh, he's autistic. Just, you know, come over here and sit down mm. or not even challenging him, you know, challenging his intelligence mm -hmm. and, you know, just giving him a leg up in education versus just doing whatever, just to make sure he meets the IEP. Yeah. Do you find that with, like you just said, with him specifically, you know, dealing with all of the educational piece, do you find that when you're trying to focus there, that it's hard to balance the other three because of that? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, you know, with the, the heightened level focus that you have to give to him? Yes. He has gotten a lot of um, our attention. Like even before this whole thing started, I was at order books. Um, uh, one of them was called like the, the Einstein effect. I think it was by like Thomas Sowell and, and late talking children. So I'm here trying to research things that I feel like I got a misdiagnosis. Um, I feel like, I feel like they just put him in a bucket. 
So I'm trying to read and figure out like um, reading stories and case studies about children with symptoms like his so that I can figure out how to best give him a leg up in society because I know we put our first one in private school because I know that this primary education is so important. Not college, you know, is what we're doing in elementary school and middle school and high school that gives your kids the best opportunity. Um, because we've seen kids get good grades in college in city schools, but because the standards were so low, they, or the school system was so bad, I'd rather to say, and they went on to college and didn't do well. So I know that these formative years, I'm really fighting to close the gap with my kids. And this, this second one, I'm just like, I don't want to homeschool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I, I think, I think it's interesting that, um, you know, when you bring up some of these challenges of obviously having the multiple boys, but then also having the, the, the learning and, 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 you know, he's, like, you said he's like kind of, he was, he was diagnosed, right? So he's on the spectrum. Yes. They said he's on this. So everything's on the spectrum. That's the complicated part. Everything's yeah. on the spectrum. So you could say on the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Marty. You, you were to say something. Go ahead. I was just going to share with Kara that my, my older brother, uh, when he was six years old, was taken to a speech therapist. They were like, he's behind. He's not talking. He's not participating in class. We, they, they thought he was, they, you know, this was the 80s. So they just said that he's slow. And I uh, couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. Took him, got his IQ tested. His IQ was like 156. What? And it turned out he was just bored. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to participate. I'm over this. I'm not doing what you people want me to do. And he has his entire life been very stubborn, very um, willful, but very, he's brilliant. And he does what he does, and he does it when he wants to do it. And he's yeah. now, like, he's a genetic scientist. Like, he designs blood tests for the lab work. Like, he's brilliant. But he works in a lab by himself like you know it's just it's it's a more of a personality thing and you know he finds his place in life and so i just i hope yours gets the chance to find his place in life thank you yeah that's where you guide him that way what do you say kira i say your brother sounds like joey joey likes to he gets up in the morning like his routine gets up in the morning he goes to the playroom he may turn on some music and he builds these elaborate trains i mean like freaky stuff i'm like <laughs> it's like interlooped and i'm like whoa that's like above my pay grade yeah it's, it's awesome. i mean so as, guys, so as we as we talk about like these pieces of like how they you know how they're growing up in the, in the environments that they're in for you marty right with your son i'm going to make this statement i think it'll trigger a story that um that, I, that you and i've talked about in the past but like you know, when he looks in the mirror, he sees a black kid, but he sees a white mom and the world sees whatever. How has Graham been and the world he's been in and how has the world treated him in different scenarios you guys have been in? Maybe school, extracurricular activities, et cetera. What is that like, you know? And how does he identify? So Graham goes to an amazing school. It is actually pretty diverse. They have a lot of families that look all different. Like colors, male, female, you know, two dads, two moms, you know, um, a, a, several adoptions from all over the world. They have parents who come in and, you know, share stories about growing up in Japan and India and all over. And he's an, an amazing school. Um, even amid all that, Graham's had some things said to him before. Like, I, I can't play with you because you're a darker shade than I am. And he's come home and like, I don't understand. Like, what does that even mean? 
he's had, you know, kids will figure out that thing that bothers you and they go for it. You know, they find the red button and they jump on it. And, uh, you know, he's had kids say, your mom's not your mom because you guys don't even look alike. Like, she's not your mom. Your mom didn't want you. All these things. And Graham is such an amazing kid that he's very confident in himself. And, you know, he fully has bought into what I've told him where I'm like, she loved you so much that she, you know, trusted me uh, to raise you with your life. But, um, you know, for the most part, he's, he's grown up in this amazing world and these amazing things. And that's actually one of the things that scares me the most is that he's surrounded by so many wonderful people of all colors, but in particular, the white community around him loves him and, you know, treats him just like Graham. He's Graham. And I worry that, you know, one day he's going to go out and encounter some not as nice white people who don't know him and he's not going to know what to do. It's not going to register for him because he's grown up in this safe little bubble. And, you know, so that's where it's, you know, have I done enough to teach him, you know, that there are going to be people, but I also don't want him to grow up fearful. Yeah. And, he, and so it's, it's a balance, but, you know, I'm sure in some way that's something you deal with too, Kira, with like, you want your kids to be aware and alert and, but not fearful. Like it's a fine line you walk. Um, but I do worry that he's, he's going to have his guard down too much just because he's, you know, had this environment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, is pure, and you want you don't want to take him back to like in the South 1960s. Like <laughs> you don't want him to do that. But then it's like, and then it's also the hope of the future. Like they have these their children. Like they have these pure mindsets, and so you don't want to take that or give them like any disbelief. But you want to prepare them mm -hmm. in in some way if this happens. Yeah want to you I don't know if you I don't know if you expect to or not but it meant any but in the same time you want to keep their worldview like a worldview should be I'm Graham yes I'm black but I'm Graham yeah, <laughs> yeah I like that yes I'm black but I'm Graham he, that I'm needs Graham. to be a shirt <laughs> yes. Yes. yes I'm black but I'm Graham I, I love that and I, I you know for you like Marty like I, I kind of you know, from when we met, um, we first met, it's been a little over four years ago, and I think I found out about your son within months after that. And I always was like, wow, like, she's amazing for even taking on this challenge in this, in today's world. Um, you know, and, and I think part of it is, it's, you know, and, and you and I talk about this offline, like, there's this part where I was kind of like, I want to like, oh, but we couldn't at the time for obvious reasons. But at the same time now, uh, I think about every day, you know, pretty all I think about I think about your situation more often than I tell your story a lot to a lot of people more often than I tell you. And I think about now with the world that we're in. Ha, it sounds like support is better than probably what it would have been 20 plus years ago when I hear about a white mom with a black son. But at the same time, you're like, you know, that this things that still exist for the future. Mm -hmm. Like some of the and and, and I, I look at this and like, well, what what more? I guess the question for you is what more can we all do? This isn't just a black problem, but just as, as humans, right? As, as people in the United States, it's just focus there. What all can we do to continue to help make, and I, I don't wanna say make, yeah, well, make the world a better place for someone like a Graham, obviously for all of our black sons, but in particular, he can grow up and I don't know what he's, we don't know what he's gonna sound like, but I'll just say this and I'll shut up. But he can grow up and some people are like, well, why do you sound so white? 
Like they, like people say that stuff, right? What I don't know. Did you follow my question, Marty? Yeah, yeah, I totally follow it. And I mean, you know, in terms of like a call to action for all of us, you know, it's I, I've been really harping a lot lately on valuing diverse perspectives. Like, you know, Carrie, you were talking about getting more, you, you, did, you didn't say it this way, but getting more diversity into, into Joey and PJ school. Yeah. And, you know, why is that valuable? And, and, and Matt, you know, I lead a women's organization at, at yeah. McAfee and it's focused on diversity and, and the yeah. value of those diverse experiences. I think if we could all just realize for a minute, it's not right, it's not wrong, it's just different. And mm -hmm. it, it's your perspectives and your race and your gender and your sexual orientation and your religion and your socioeconomic status, they all impact your perspective on the world. And if we could learn to value those perspectives instead of looking to argue with them and tell someone why their opinion is wrong, mm -hmm. I just feel like we would all learn so much more about each other. And we, you know, we talk about like, you know, can we, can we just banish racism? Can we get it out of our system? And I, I, I'm hopeful that we can, but I think we've still got to honor the, the various colors and, yeah. you know, backgrounds and cultures that come with that. And I, I, I mean, to, to not ramble, I just, I think the most important part of it is just valuing that in other people. And, you know, if we can get to a point where we don't assume character based on a physical quality, like people who assume that people who are overweight must be lazy. Mm. And that makes them a bad person. I don't like lazy people. You're overweight. Then therefore I don't like you. You don't know what's going on there. You don't right. know that story. Like, come on, you know, get past the physical aspects and focus on the people. You know, I always show Graham the palm of my hands and I put the palm of his hand up, by the way, his hands larger than mine now. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're both pink. Mm. They're both pink. I'm like, we're a lot more alike than we are not. Mm. And, and so just sticking to that and removing all these judgments that we base on people based on their physical qualities is so important. And it's going to be some of the hardest work we do because we grow up with all these things that are embedded in us. But I, I think it can be done. And I think through telling more stories like this and, you know, making personal connections and developing that empathy to someone else's walk in life and just valuing how that perspective makes makes everything we do better. There's a reason we need more women and people of color in the boardroom. It's because when people who all look alike and have all had the similar life experiences are making decisions, they're gonna make the decision based on what they know. Yeah. You need people who've seen and done other things. No, I agree. And I, I, that's a great answer. I mean, it goes back to almost the answer for anything. It seems like it's just, you know, I'm, I hate to sound so rude, but like, it's like, shut up and listen, all right? And just like, not you, Marty, but just in general, like just, Shut up and listen. Understand perspective. Yeah, huh? two ears and one mouth. Exactly, two ears and one mouth. Exactly. You know, and and I think it's it's. Um, at first, I thought you were trying to tell me something about my earrings, which I don't. <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm with you, and I and I find that you know even that's that's part of why civil conversation was created, right? Um, I didn't. I at the like when I thought about this idea, um, it was never to it was never to actually um, pick a side and present it it's really a platform for people to present themselves. That's it. And then you either like it or you don't. It is what it is. But the point of why I did this is so that you can hear people actually share their perspective so you can try to understand. I hate that people just say that they, they, 
they don't like it and they run away. Because sometimes you can not like something and still stick around because you're trying to push through. You know, I've had feedback from people on previous shows uh, about previous shows. And I'm like, ah, Matt, I wasn't really feeling this one. I was like, what happened? It was like, well, it wasn't the show. It was the content. I was like, oh, okay. But I stuck through and I watched the whole thing. I'm like, that's all, that's to me, all that people are asking for, right? Is like, just hear it all out, right? And understand, don't judge because somebody says something maybe against your, even if it's not skin tone, against your politician or against if you want to, you know, now I'm hearing that the word mask wearer is an insult. <laughs> not to make this about masks, it's just how people are now. It's like, it's just so weird. Um, but uh, if you care, just on, on, on the you know, managing the four and everything like that for you, like, what is the future? How do you feel about the future for you? Right. You know, when it comes to what, what, what do you need? Right. And you already kind of touched it when it comes to the special needs and et cetera, but you know, you got four boys all under the age of 10 and you know, what, what can we do in the next five to 10 years to hopefully as, as teenagers going into their twenties, maybe to make it a better place for them. I think, um, the one thing, and this is a personal request, I, I don't want white women to be afraid of black men. And that has been my number one thing because I've been in situations where wow. um, at my last job or at a job that I work at, it was a mass email sent out to the company that there is a suspicious brown man walking outside. I mean, this is like when the sun was setting, like at five, like at closed time. And, you know, just to beware that because a suspicious brown man was outside. And he, um, I don't know if they had called the police or the authorities to make sure that everybody was safe. But we're in Richmond City. We're downtown. There are people who are homeless. There are also white people that are homeless. What makes you think that a black man outside uh, outside of the building is suspicious enough to alert the to send an all staff email. Now, had let's say that man was drunk, but he was minding his business, walking down the street, saying crazy things. Is he bothering you? <laughs> is he a threat to you? Did he make an aggression at a person? Drunk people do crazy things. I'm just like, okay, let me give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he did make you have a side eye. I might have side eye too. But like, I want society to say, black man, whether he's intoxicated or not, whether he's at a part, whether he's doing black things, like dancing and saying, hey, hey, like doing black things, like, right, hey, like, and it's funny, you can hear black people <laughs> dancing, like, you know, when we start dancing, because it's like a, it's like a, you know, you just, we right. start making noises. Right, it's just, it's what it is. So, I want, um, and I know that sometimes a lot of that fear comes by the way of white women, where I don't feel, well, they may say like, I don't feel comfortable about this. So I need to call in or I need to start my privilege to make myself feel safe. But when in fact, like I said, if that man was drunk or not, if he, if he did not put his hands on anybody, he's not bothering you. He's not a threat until he makes an, an aggression at someone. So for me, I know my personal request is that I just want, I just white women in particular is who I'm really calling out to because women are like we do we're strong but we can use our sense of vulnerability to mm. call for protection mm -hmm. 
And so if we're using that, that call for protection against another kind of people, then that's when it gets really always trying to get protected from one people group then and, and i know it just goes back to like it it's it's age old it's a false narrative that black people are aggressive they were a threat they were criminals um even on the i am mama post um there were people and one was a retired police officer i didn't go looking for these nasty racist hateful comments people were sending them to me um calling my sons seven five three in three months Thugs. Thugs. Like legitimately? You saying this? Smiley, happy, adorable children. Yeah, like, like saying that they, I don't remember the comic verbatim, but I saw the word thugs in association to the picture of my four sons. And the other one was, um, the, the most comment I heard was, we're the four baby daddies. So, yes, no. <laughs> Where are my four baby daddies? You see a picture of me with my four sons and you say, where are the four fathers? So the stereotypes. So, and, and this is why I'm calling, this is why like, I love I Am Mama because so many white women have stood up and made this declaration to say, I will, I am a mother and I will send my mother, my motherly protection, power, nurturing all of that i will extend it to to your children um we need to there are people and i know there are mamas who are having these conversations in their family like i'm not at the table when racist comments are being made inside of homes like i'm not there but there are people there are mamas who are and like we may you know like us moms we have so much influence in our homes and so we start speaking out against this stuff at places that black people may not be and we're advocating we're advocating in our um in our spheres of influence so one for white women not to be afraid of black men and to assert their vulnerability for protection to perpetuate a stereotype um and that stereotype going over to you know how white men are how and most of these comments came from white men. I'm tired of paying her bills. Brother, you don't pay my bills. Um, she need to get up off her lazy A and get a job. I, have, I don't have a job. I have a business. I make my own money. And listen, if you want to pay my bills, I will send you my address. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I will send you. Like, if, if you want to send me some food, I will let you know. But as of right now, nobody we're supporting our family ourselves and also if i was a white mom who um and i'm kind of tangent and talking about these stereotypes but no, no, i no, want no. these stereotypes debunked i want them to go away because as a married black mom with four sons you think that i just because my dad not my dad just because my husband is not in the picture because he's taking the picture you asking him where the four where the four baby daddies are However, if I was a white mom with four sons, you would have said, oh, that's very nice. Or you would assume that the husband, you would have created, I don't know who you is, but I'm speaking to, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I don't know who I'm speaking to. Y'all, y'all know who you is. Um, you assume that the dad is somewhere else, maybe at work, maybe outside on a tractor. You assume that there's a dad, but he's not in the picture. Um, but from, or if she wasn't, or if, or if it was a baby daddy, you would call it a blended family. 
So baby daddies exist. Okay, baby daddies exist. White family, black family, Asian family. We it's have everywhere. It. It's everywhere. But there's no race. Black, yeah, there's, there's no race excluded from that. Yes, everybody has a baby daddy in their family makeup. So why do? I, <laughs> why are you just ascertaining that to me because I'm a black woman and thinking that I'm feeding off the system when in fact I'm not? Yeah. So so, so let me ask you a question real quick. Uh, well, not you, but Marty. I wanted I wanted to get your take on that uh, overall, like what she was saying. Uh, not question. I'm sorry. I wanted to get your take on everything she just shared. Oh my God! I was like jumping out of my skin. I just I, I, I wanna, <laughs> like I I that is ridiculous and outrageous and um, just the stereotypes that exist is embarrassing. And we've got a very dark history, white women, of saying something's been done to us by a black man and it, things have not ended well. And at some point we've got to you know, realize that is absolutely absurd and it doesn't help anybody. And I've, I've thought about, I mean, it goes all the way back to Emmett Till. Like, and it's, it's unbelievable. And you know, the fact that that's something that we feel compelled to do. And, and that's some of the things I worry about with Graham. You know, one day he loves to hug people, like loves to hug. And so he's going to hug the wrong person. I've been trying to teach him since he was like three. I'm like, you have to ask people before you hug them. You cannot just bum rush them. Because um, he's tackled a few people too. But um, <laughs> he does it from love. It's all from love. But uh, it's just, it's unreal. And that is absolutely a great call out. Because, you know, if we can start correcting that behavior, um, a lot of things changed. My son has taken to calling me Karen. He thinks it's hysterical. And he's like, you Karens are troublemakers. I'm like, I'm not a Karen. You need to stop. But uh, I have friends named Karen. I love you all. Um, but that's, that's where that comes from. And, you know, Kara, I was over here jumping out of my skin as well, because, you know, you were talking about the baby daddies. And the one thing I learned in the adoption process uh, there was, you know, there's this term crack baby. And they're like, ooh, you're going to end up with Black baby, if you go that way, it's like actually, uh, what I learned was when these black mothers find out they're pregnant, whether they're going to keep the baby or not, they cherish life so much that you know, I mean, Graham's birth mother stopped everything. Like cold turkey, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of this baby from the moment she decided. You know, she said she prayed on it, and you know, God told her there's a family out there who will, you know, who wants this baby, and you know, we were lucky to end up with them, and. You know, and, and, but from the moment she knew she was going to do that, she treasured that life and treated him wonderfully. And Graham is healthy and happy. And he was born eight pounds, three ounces. Like everything went great. And that was my first instance of all these presumption, or not my first, but that was a realization for me of, you know, where this term really comes from and what it really means. And the fact that it's probably far more common for there to be white babies born addicted to cocaine. Um, than it is for, you know, for there to actually be, actually be crack babies, just because there is so much value placed on that human life. And that's, it, it's just, it, again, kind of dropping all these assumptions would do everybody so much good. And white women would be so much less stressed out walking out around in the world. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, every, it's, it's just my experience of, you know, men of color in the world has been that they just want to protect me. All of you men just want to protect the women. You guys just want us all to be safe. And yeah, are there some bad seeds? Absolutely, on every side of every equation. Right. And you know, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's been that you know, you and Anthony and Warren and all these men have just wanted to protect me. Yeah, like, and I, it's funny you say that because I, I was about to probably further prove your point as a follow-up question. It's like, what can I do as a black man to help? 
you as a white mom of a black son, you know, if you're speaking to every black man in the United States of America right now, um, what could, what, how can we help? I mean, you, you already do it. So many of you already do. And it's, you know, being good role models and, you know, the fact and, but continuing to fight through these barriers, it meant so much to Graham when I took him to see Aladdin on Broadway, the genie's played by a black man. Mm. And he saw Graham and he said, come here, like, let me sign your playbill and talk to him. And, you know, Graham engages with him on YouTube. He watches his YouTube videos and all that. But to continue seeing more and more men of color in a variety of roles, I, I think is one of the most powerful things. But also, you know, you've done it. Um, you know, men I work with have just said, how can I help? And it was, this is something that I found especially interesting I said, thank you. I know I've said thank you to you. I've said thank you to one of these other men via text. And I was like, thank you. I, it means so much to me that you're there. Like uh, everything that's going on, all the things you have to worry about as it is to reach out to me and say, I, I will help you with your son and help him you know, with awareness in the world. He said, no need to thank me. It's my responsibility. Yes. And that hit me hard because I don't want to lean on anybody. Like I don't want to ask for help, but We've got to ask for help. So, you know, long answer to your question, but continue doing what you do. Show up in more places. Fight to be in those places. Tell me how I can help you guys get to those places. Because if our children see you in those places, then they know it's real, that they can do it too. And, you know, that representation is so, so very important. Um, but also keep offering to help me because I'm not good at asking for help. Moms, we are just not, we don't want to bother anybody or we don't want to burden anybody. But the fact is, is that we need each other. Like we need community and we really cannot do it without. It's like, you know, when they say it takes a village to raise a child, but like, what if I don't like the village? Like, then I don't want to raise a child. <laughs> <laughs> like once you find your village, like that keep offering and and then maybe we'll come around to asking, but we just take that like thing within us is like, okay, I know I can help this way. So I'm going to keep asking because it is hard for us moms to ask. We know we need help. We know that we can't do, I can't make a better world for my sons without someone else. Right. And so, yeah. No, I think it's helped tremendously by introducing me to Kira. Hey. I know, Marty, I feel like you're my girl. Like, <laughs> no, I. <laughs> But these are the type of conversations that have to happen. And I'm hoping even those who are viewing, I know there's several that are viewing right now, it's, it's important to, to have these conversations across the races um, and across different um, demographics, socioeconomics, et cetera, because socioeconomic demographics, et cetera, because you, you, you end up finding, like the analogy you brought up earlier, um, uh, Marty, around the, the palms of yours and Graham's hands, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of things in common that we have, right? I mean, just, just between the two of you alone, when we start talking about just being a mom, it's like you can pretty much say the exact same things in the opposite direction, or you know something's down the road for you because of your situation by having a black son for you, right, Marty? Um, or, or vice versa for you, Kiara. This is going to sound strange, but with with Graham being a couple years older than the kids, it's like wow. I wonder what how Graham dealt with this stuff. Like he, she can literally be a resource, white or not. It doesn't matter because she still has a black son that can help at least the perspective he had can help with your black sons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's huge. Go ahead, Kira. I'm sorry. You were about to say something? Oh, no. I was just going to say, it was, it was kind of funny. So I love when I don't have to assimilate around white people. 
I could just be black and I could just talk how I want to talk. Say, I don't have to be like, hi, Marty. <laughs> no, trust me, you don't have to stimulate about Marty. I'll that. Hey, girl, like, you know, this, it's a freedom that I just love. Um, and even when he's saying uh, about um, Graham, like, I think somebody said about him talking white. I dealt with that when I was a little girl. Like, oh, you talk like, like a, yeah, and there, there is colorism within our own race. Oh, you talk like a white girl. Okay, so what does that mean? Because I'm pronunciating everything that you're starting this education and pronunciation to white? Like, no, it just means that I'm choosing to enunciate my words. So it, it has no race. So yeah, but you know, we, we cut it on and off. So I know, you know, my mama was the best at code, at code switch and she would answer the phone and I'd be like, who is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, a, she's from Baltimore and then she would answer the phone and be like, hello. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, is this a, is this a black lady with slippers on from Baltimore? Or is this a, or is this a white lady in her fifties? So, <laughs> so I love just being around and I found like in this movement, I've been able to be more free in my culture and not having to you know, you know, play ping pong, cutting it on and cutting it off. It just like, I didn't realize how exhausting that was. And I want that for Graham where, okay, yeah, my mom was white, but really, um, if anything, he's going to talk Southern. You have a Southern, you have a, a Southern thing in your voice and I'm sure he sounds like you. It's not white. It's not black. It's just, it's the culture of where we are. So yeah, I love, I say all this say, I love when I don't feel like, I don't feel the need to code switch. Yeah, no, and I think that's where everybody wants to go um, and wants to be, you know, in, in, in time, hopefully sooner rather than later, right? I'm sorry, Marty, did I cut you off? Were you about to say something? Uh, no, I said that's got to be exhausting. I, 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 I can't imagine having to go back and forth like that. Um, yeah. And, and I, like, Lord. Um, yeah. That, that, it could would, be, that would wear you out with a quickness. But authenticity could, is so important. Yeah. It is. It can be frustrating at times, but, you know, it's part of, I guess it's just part of what we do. Um, you know, I've started to do it less and less, like started to not code switch as much. I, I find that the society is just starting to accept every, not everything, but, you know, there's, there's, there's professionalism and then there's just, you know, you just do whatever. So I'm happy that society is starting to kind of be more open to just certain types of just talking without having to really switch up. And hopefully as, as, you know, of course, as moms, you know, white and black moms. Hope you guys connect, connect on Facebook, please. Um, and just in the environments, like you're saying, Kara, you want to be able to be in an environment and not feel like you have to change for that environment, especially for your sons. Um, and in closing, so we can we can just go and wrap up. Actually, there was one question that came in. Let me read it real quick. I'm just going to take this. Um, oh, okay, this is good. Um, and both of you guys can answer this one if possible, and then we'll we'll close up after this. So Mia Gilliam asked a question. What is the biggest thing that you want your son to understand about what happened to George Floyd, George Preston Floyd, and in, in himself, I think, or and himself? I think if I understood the question, so let's take off the and himself piece, just go with what is the biggest thing that you want your son to understand about what happened to George Floyd, George Preston Floyd? So, Marty, I'll start with you on that one. Um, so first off, he, he watched the video, not okay. on my watch. I, I haven't even watched it. I, I can't. I, I can't bring myself to do it. Um, and so when we talked about it, the first thing I told him, you know, that really jumped out at me was, you know, that it's wrong. That should not have happened. And, you know, you should be able to trust police officers and they, you know, should be there to protect you. 
and you know that that shouldn't have happened that was that was an unreasonable use of force mm-hmm. excessive use of force and and that shouldn't happen and, and you need to know that you know you're you're safe and we went from there and you know but the very big statement i want to make because you want our kids I, I want my child to go to a police officer if he needs help if he gets separated from me if he gets lost i want him to be able to go to a police officer and know that it's okay and so he shouldn't be afraid of them and the majority of them you shouldn't be afraid of like you know that that doesn't happen all the time but it happens enough that it's a problem and so i found myself and i was actually hoping Kira would answer first because i'd love to I, I cannot wait to hear what you say about this but you know, so my first thing that I really wanted him to know was that's that's not normal. And it, and then the second thing was it doesn't have to be that way. And that there are a lot of people who are really upset about it. And a lot of people who are in very powerful places and people who aren't in very powerful places, but who are forming powerful movements to make sure that that won't happen to Graham. Like I needed him to know that, that that won't happen to you. I, I won't let it happen to you. But also there are there are millions of people around the world. I showed them the protest videos from other countries of like this, everybody knows that this has to stop, this isn't right, and that we're gonna make the world safe so you don't have to live in fear that that may happen to you. So I'm just mm-hmm. really trying to reassure him. Um, and then I guess the third part of it was, you know, reminding him again about being respectful always and being, but even that fell short because I'm looking at that video and he, he, he didn't, he didn't fight back. He didn't. And so it was just really hard. It was a hard position to kind of, but I, I felt the need to remind him again, be respectful, you know, keep your hands where you know, they can be seen. Don't reach for anything. Don't make any fast movements. Don't run away. Just stay there. And, and someone, hopefully someone will see you and come help. But that it was a, it was, it, it was a tightrope. But the biggest thing was probably that there are a lot of people who know this isn't right and are going to make sure that there are changes made to reduce the likelihood that this will ever happen to anyone again, but definitely not you. No, that's awesome. I really appreciate you giving that that perspective. Um, I really like how you, even just talking about showing him the, the protests around the world to let him know like people are working to help make sure this doesn't happen. I love that reinforcement and that reassurance that you did. Um, and it was probably therapeutic for you too um, to help, you know, to go through this, to see it and then also be able to to go, go over with him. It probably was very helpful for you. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, I will say George Floyd, because it was a typo. I said Preston. I was like, I didn't know his name. Uh-huh. So anyway, uh, Kiara, any thoughts on, on that? Uh, and, and you want to answer that same question as well? Yeah. Um, right. I love what you said, because nowadays I had to play this out in my head. Like if that was happening and there were police officers and there were people like, this is what I came up with in my head. I was like, there would have been a group of moms or something with their minivans. <laughs> and we would have, we would have like took one for the team and it probably would have had to be a white mom. It would have been you driving and you would have drove into the side of that SUV and knocked the police officer. And it would have <laughs> like, that's how I imagine we could have saved Joyce Floyd's mm-hmm. life. And that's where I think we are in society where I feel like we feel empowered to do that. So I love what you said, just like giving him comfort, like, and the lessons, like, you in there, girl, when you're like, look, just keep your hands on the wheel. Don't, reach <laughs> nothing, don't do that. Like, listen, you are in there raising a black son. But I love, I love that. That was just my imagination of how. <laughs> I, that has graphic novel written all over it, Kira. We commit like One way or another. Um, for me, so PJ's seven. So he is, none of my other kids know about it. Um, he's in an age where he's asking questions about everything and I mean just like why do we he asked me today 
why did you buy beans like black beans i'm like i don't know they're like i, I, I don't know like to eat just eat the beans <laughs> like, so, so the questions that he asked are just like he's in a question stage so i saw his wheels really turning about the um because like you marty i don't want to put him in a position where he's fearful um and and unsure of himself i want to keep his sense of confidence and um all of those things um i said and me and my husband i guess we really said it's love and hate like you can hate people because of their skin color because of their religion because of a ton of things and in this instance it was it was just because of hate in this man's heart um and hate towards a, hate towards a certain type of person because of this reason um and them understanding that, that love and hate dwells on so many different levels i just didn't want to make it like so plainly race related mm -hmm. that it kind of tainted his worldview but to say like at the bottom of it like if he loved the if if the police officer loved george floyd it wouldn't have happened mm -hmm. but because there's um a scripture that says like hate kills and we saw hate killing, like hating somebody is like murdering them in your heart. And so what we saw was the actual murder of hate happen. So just me just kind of balancing, he's not ready for like a really race, mm -hmm. heavy race talk at seven, but he understands, he understands love because all children do like they they just exude mm -hmm. that that's why Graham hugs everybody he <laughs> understands love therefore he can understand what it means not to love so that's how we approached it there's the kind of it's hard it's like double dutch like i need you to know i don't want to tell you too much but you got to know but it's really this and that so we're Graham's grandmother once um, described it as luggage. She said, I'm only going to give you as much luggage as you can carry at your That's age perfect. and size. That's perfect. That is perfect. So I was trying to think about what can we fit in that piece of luggage? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and what's appropriate. It's, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard road to walk. No, it, that's, that's perfect. So ladies, I want to thank you both. Um, let me just address everybody. So first off, um, I think the thing that is important for everyone who's watched this or had enjoyed this, I mean, sorry, watch this conversation um, or listen in and also for these two, it's important for us to understand that if specifically for this episode, um, moms have a lot in common. Um, in this case, what we did was we brought these two mothers together around having black sons, but moms love their kids. Um, they love their boys. They love their girls. Um, they love their family. And they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they're raised properly and ready to take on the world. Uh, when it comes to raising black sons, Marty and Kiara have had very specific situations that have come up in both of their lives with their kids that's, that has uh, challenged the way that they may have to parent just a little bit more uniquely just based off of the fact that they're black sons. What I find that's beautiful about it is that the love that they have for their kids aren't, to me, any different. You know, when I listen to Marty and I listen to Kiara, they just love their kids. And I think for us to get out of this conversation and those who are watching, have the conversations with people that are in your circles to understand what is going on with them, especially for those that are, that you know may be raising uh, or having unique scenarios. One, Kiara having four boys. Find out her perspective. Or with Marty, you see a woman who has a black son. You have plenty of women who, or plenty of families who adopt 
kids from multiple countries, right? Just kids of color, find out what's going on with them, not to criticize because you don't know, but to really understand and empathize and maybe you can help as well. Because sometimes just knowing that somebody cares is relief for them as well. So thank you guys so much. I want to thank Marty Oberman and Kiara Henderson for joining me tonight. I'm going to end the live stream. Those who uh, joined, thank you all very much. And I'll see you guys on the next Civil Conversations. Peace. Thank you.